I eat the food, I eat every three hours, I make sure I eat enough. You know, if I feel like I need a break from training, I take a break from training. You know, and I think it's how can we get women to that place? Because I do believe in tracking 100% and I believe in data, but then there's got to come a point where you can actually listen to your own body and trust it. So if we talk about listening to our body and often you know, in our work, we can say that, but for those of us who have been in diet culture for years or decades, it has eroded trust with our body. So we actually don't know how to listen to it. We don't really know what that even means. What does listening to our body mean? Or what does it look like? What does it feel like? What should I notice? So I think that's the first piece. And I totally agree with you that we should be able to get to this place where we can listen to our body. Welcome to the Win It Life podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by our awesome friend, Amy Bow. We've had Amy on the podcast a few times and I just love her. We're both passionate about strength training. If you follow Amy, you'll see her do some pretty cool gymnastic stuff. Now, I'm sure so many of you can relate to what I'm about to say. When I first found pro-metabolic eating, I'd become so out of tune with my body. I wasn't hungry in the morning, so I'd skip breakfast. When I was hungry, I was scared to eat because I thought I'd gain weight. I trained regardless of how I was feeling because, again, I thought if I didn't train every day and do cardio, I'd gain weight. For 17 years of my life, when it came to food, I always thought that less was better. And when it came to training, I always thought that more was better. And if you followed me for a while, you'll know that that just set me up with irregular and painful cycles, poor sleep, digestive issues, my hair was falling out, and I was obsessed with how I looked, what I weighed, and I was a chronic binge eater. Thank goodness I found Emma and Ray Pete's work. And then I met Craig, who taught me how to strength train. As I started implementing what I'd learned from Emma and Craig, I finally got in tune with my body and I learned how to trust it and listen to what it was telling me. I became really good at auto-regulating, eating when I was hungry, pushing hard in training when I felt good and taking rest days when I needed them. But how do you actually listen to your body and get to a place where you can trust it and auto-regulate? This is exactly what Amy and I discuss in this episode. Specifically, we chat about what does listening to your body actually mean? How to check in with your body and recreate this connection? Why you need to understand basic science and info about the metabolism? How consistency plays a part and how you can start be consistent? How to plan your training and eating according to how you feel? Why tracking helps during the early stages of recreating this connection? Now, before we get into the podcast, I just wanted to remind you of our next Break Free Challenge, which kicks off on the 27th of September. If you're new to pro-metabolic eating or you've been implementing the principles yourself and you're not getting the results you want, this challenge is perfect for you. If you're like I once was, you've probably cycled through a lot of different diets and you might suffer from one or more of these things. Poor sleep, constipation, bloating, low sex drive, fatigue, irregular and painful cycles, PMS or menopausal symptoms, and it probably feels harder and harder to lose weight. Well, I've walked in your shoes. I cycled through those diets for 17 years of my life, and I trained just about every day to try and maintain my ideal body weight. I was also obsessed with food, and I felt like I was either restricting or I was binge eating. The good news is I broke free, and so can you. And that's why we designed this challenge. Over the four weeks, we'll educate you on the foods that optimize your metabolism, digestion, mood, and hormones. We'll show you how to eat to fuel your body and build your own meal plans. We'll help you set custom macros and adjust them based on your specific goals. We'll show you how to train effectively in just three to four days per week so you can build lean muscle and lose body fat. And for those that do need to lose weight, We'll show you how to do it without starving yourself, cutting out things like carbs, dairy, or sugar, and without flogging yourself seven days a week. You can also get the opportunity to upgrade to a fully customized training program based on your goals, what equipment you have access to, any injuries you have, how many days you can train. You get video feedback on your training videos so that you can learn how to be a better lifter. And you get a weekly check-in with myself and Ops Manager where we review your data and your nutrition and give you specific feedback on what you need to do to reach your goals. 
I'll pop a link in the show notes so you can grab a spot. We only run these a few times a year, so don't miss out. And before we get into the podcast, don't forget to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram stories with your biggest takeaways and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Let's spread the word and free other women from restrictive diets. Oh, hi, Amy. Well, welcoming back the beautiful, jacked, amazing uh, Amy, you know, amazing gymnast. I just love her. She's got, she's great. She's very knowledgeable. She's gorgeous. She's got a great um, physique as well. I always just admire her rippling muscles <laughs> in her videos <laughs> when she sends them to me. But she's obviously a really nice person on the inside too. I'm not that shallow that I just like her because she looks good. Um <laughs> Did you like that introduction? Yeah, what an intro. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Amy, for um, for coming back on. So Amy and I did a podcast um, actually with Craig. If you haven't listened to that one, it's got heaps of downloads. Go back and listen to it. And we talk about, you know, what it actually takes to, to, because, you know, a lot of women come into our program, they're like, oh, Kitty, I want to look like you, or I want this toned athletic physique. Can we just really talk about what it takes to achieve that that so if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to that but today Amy and I just wanted to get on and have a bit of a banter about um I guess listening to your body and and getting really back in tune with your body and getting back to basics because I think and look Craig will probably cut me off at the knees here for saying this but it's (laughs) that's not the right words actually we really believe in data and tracking you know, especially at the beginning, because it helps you get in tune with your body, helps you set standards. You know, if you've got a goal that you're working towards, if you don't track it, you can't measure it, you can't improve it. But eventually you want to get to the point where, you know, like you can eat without tracking all the time, 100% of the time. You know, you don't have to take your temps and pulses every day. So really, I guess, how do you (laughs) auto-regulate and how can you move away from that just to really listen to your body and it's funny this the thing that triggered this was that amy and i when we were just doing one of our sessions you know because we do these weekly catch-ups on my training um and she was just saying and you can cut in if because obviously these weren't your exact words but you know you you've been an athlete your whole life you know most of your life you've never really restrictive done any restrictive diets which is awesome you've always just eaten you haven't tracked your food um you know you said to me that you have this group of strength coaches, like that you, just this circle of people that you, I don't know, hang out with. And they would just laugh if, you know, about all the stuff that we track because, you know, they've been very intuitive, which is all well and good for people, you know, I think who've, who've grown up like you have. And then there's the other ones like me who've just done a million different stupid things. And, you know, they're, they're so far away from actually listening to their body. But, you know, it's just, it was just interesting, you know, like Kitty, you said, Kitty, I've just listened to my body. You know, I I eat the food, I eat every three hours, I make sure I eat enough. You know, if I feel like I need a break from training, I take a break from training. Um, You know, and I think it's how can we get women to that place? Because I do believe in tracking 100% and I believe in data. But then there's got to come a point where you can actually listen to your own body and trust it. Yes. You're like, those weren't the exact words I said, but something along the lines of that, you know, and it just made us think, oh, let, let's just talk about this. Let's talk about this and women and, you know, how they can how they can actually get to this point. Yeah, I love that you're just shoveling your carrot salad into your mouth right now. <laughs> it's the standard, you know, we talked about this, setting the standard. <laughs> Every day I eat your carrot salad. Yeah, she does. Mm. It's around around carrot salad time. <laughs> And you know, like a lot of women, like, oh, I can't eat that shit. It's so boring. I'm like, just eat it. Like, I don't, I'm not saying you can't spice it up. Like, you know, add some beautiful, you can add some feta. That's nice. But I just think, oh, I just, I just want to get it in because I know how great it is for my digestion. I feel good when I eat it. I just eat it, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just okay. Well, <laughs> why you uh, munch on that? Mm. All right. So if we talk about listening to our body, and often, you know, in our work, we can say that, but for those of us who have been in diet culture for years or decades, it has eroded trust with our body. So we actually don't know how to listen to it. 
we don't really know what that even means. What does listening to our body mean? Or what does it look like? What does it feel like? What should I notice? Uh, So I think that's the first piece. And I totally agree with you that we should be able to get to this place where we can listen to our body. We allow, we receive, our body gives us information and then we can respond to that information without heavily tracking. Uh, Now, you know, for where you live in a society that breeds distrust with the female body. So like you said, Kitty, you spent years uh, not listening to your body. And so how do you start to rebuild trust and start to listen to it? And there are a few different ways, but I think this is where the tracking fits in. Now, it depends on, I think, your background. So I come from an eating disorder space where I was a dietitian and I worked in eating disorders. So if you've had an eating disorder or a lot of disordered eating, maybe starting with numbers is not really helpful depending on where you are in your healing journey around your relationship with food. Uh, So you might start, I believe we should track something though. So that's why I'm a big fan of the trading journal. And we just start by writing, how do we feel? Checking in with our body. What do we notice? Uh, What is our energy like? What is our sleep like? Uh, You know, if we're starting our training, how do we feel? And we can be more subjective with that by just writing more around how we feel, our energy, maybe our emotions. Uh, we, We could write down what we eat and how that made us feel or some feelings or emotions around the food. And that's where I would start with the tracking or with someone who has really struggled with their relationship with food and their body is from a place of more, you know, just noticing and writing in a diary. But for just, a lot- um, just sorry, Amy, just want to jump in and say something. I like what you said about, you know, like it's the fitness, fitness industry has built this distrust with our bodies. Cause I think, you know, like I think back to what I was like, and it was always, okay, it's about discipline. It's about going to the gym, even if you're tired, because, you know, you never will get the workout that you, you only get the workout you didn't do and stupid shit slogans like that, you know, and you felt lazy if you skipped a workout, you know, you thought, okay, I'm going to gain weight if I didn't go for, to the gym and train. Um, I had to eat as little as possible, you know, and I think a lot of women, and it's either consciously or unconsciously, are just not eating enough consistently, you know, and I think when you actually, even if you say you don't have to put it in my fitness pal, if you just wrote it down in a book, you can get to the end of the week and go, holy shit. You know, a lot of women too, mums, like they just don't eat, but they, cause they get up, like we did this round table during the challenge and this one woman, she's like, oh, you know, I've got these three young kids and get up in the morning and I get them ready. And then I'm like, oh shit, I haven't eaten till lunchtime. So it's not like she was purposely going, I'm going to restrict it's just she puts everyone else above herself, fills their cup up, and then she gets to eat last. And, you know, when it's okay if you do that maybe one or two days, but when you're doing that every single day, month after month, year after year, that's when we start to see um, the issues. And then there's the women on the other end of the scale who, you know, restrict, but then they, they'll get to the end of the week and, like, they can't restrict anymore. They're so hungry. And they have these epic binges and they'll binge for three days. So I think you're really right like that acknowledging just recording so you can sit down at the end of the week and go ah you can really see where things are breaking down for you yeah well it's awareness you know we Hmm. really can't change what we're not aware of and I think there's different levels of awareness depending on where we're at so for some of us who you know have a healthy relationship with food in our body we can probably see numbers and we can probably work with numbers and we'll be okay because Um, of our previous relationship you know we haven't been attached to maybe a number or weight or shape or size or we haven't experienced disordered eating or an eating disorder so we may be able to actually track the calories and and look at the numbers and weigh ourselves and I believe we should all be able to get to this place where we can see a number and we're not basing you know our self-worth on that number it's just a piece of data which you know if we can reframe how we think about it uh, can be really powerful but if you're just starting off and you know maybe 
people are telling you to listen to your body and you're not even sure what that means. Like, what am I even listening for or how do I start? I just believe start by writing something down in a journal, whether that is, yes, what did you eat in a day? So you could just notice uh, your eating patterns. Maybe you start with that uh, or your sleep and just really become aware of your sleep habits and your sleep patterns. Uh, maybe it's some notes about your training, you know, and it doesn't have to be about the weights or the sets or the reps. It can be about what did training teach me today? You know, what did I notice in my body? Uh, because all we're trying to do is just cre- recreate this connection that's not been there for a long time. We've leaned into the culture. You know, there's so much noise out there. There's so much information Uh And we do not know how to listen to our own bodies. And I think that's a really scary, sad thing. Uh, You know, I've been privileged in, you know, I've been a very strong advocate for myself and I've listened to my body pretty much from the start. Um, And whether that comes from my gymnastics background, but, you know, often use the example of like I was never on birth control. I just knew that I didn't want to be on that. I, I just knew that there was a way that I could like learn and listen about my body without having to take something. Mm. And so, you know, and this is why I'm a big advocate for us to understand our cycles at a young age, because females are very bad at advocating for themselves because they don't understand their body. And I, I think from a young age, if we can teach females about their body, about their menstrual cycle, about their options, that they can like advocate because they understand. And I think this, that's the cool thing with the tracking and the science behind metabolic eating and, and tracking temps and pulses and stuff is that you get to understand your body. And when you understand your own body, you can advocate for it, which I think is the coolest thing <laughs> because would you say though too that like because I have done it basically done everything <laughs> I took the pill for many years and I think like you know like doctors I obviously didn't push any further either for or do any research because I was like well I just didn't want to get my period because it was painful and I didn't want to get pregnant but I didn't really ask the doctor but they didn't tell me that they didn't say well here's all of the side effects because they probably don't they don't think that it's bad they don't think that it's it has a you know they don't think that stopping ovulation is a problem. But like you say, once you actually get educated on why ovulation is so important, not just for falling pregnant, but for your overall health and for the production of progesterone, you're like, holy shit. Like I remember when I learned about it, I was like, I can't believe I've done this to my body for so long. You know, plus I drank, took drugs, took, you know, ate fuck all, then binged, binged. But, but doctors don't, it's, that's why it's so frustrating because you trust them. You trust them. You don't know. You look up to them. You think that what they're telling you is is right. Yeah. And, you know, we're not taught. Yeah. We're not taught really about it in school. You know, we don't speak about it. It's only in the last five years. I think there's been a really big shift and a really big movement around like fertility awareness and understanding our cycles and which is really cool. Uh, But for me, you know, this stuff always comes back to building trust and advocating for our body. Uh, Mm. Yeah, the science is super cool to know, but for those of you who know me, you know, I'm not super numbersy. I'm not really super sciencey. Yeah, both my degrees are sciencey, but I don't really get caught up on all the details, all the numbers mm. and all the science stuff. For me, it's super basic. It's always been really simple and really basic. And my work with the women that I work with is really simple and really basic. Not saying that we can't go, you know, to performance goals or we can't look at numbers, but for most of us out there that have no trust with our bodies, we don't know how to listen to them. We need to start really simply. Uh, mm. Can I just, I just want to, just to like, I agree with that, but I also like think, and this is just my opinion and from someone who's, I would actually say that I probably had disordered eating. Like if I look back at how I was, you know, I'd start, like I wouldn't eat any sugar. You know, I just had this, like, what do you call it? Orthorexia or like, you know, it's this crazy obsession with being healthy, what I thought was healthy. And one yeah. thing, and again, I'm not saying that this is the right approach, but this just might help other women who are out there who are really struggling with the tracking. I had to really work hard at, shifting my perspective on it because for me it was always about restriction 
what can I restrict? How can I control? Because it was control. It was a way of controlling. Everything else was going terribly in my life. Remember when I got divorced, I just ate as little as I could and I got really skinny and I was like, yeah, I'm happy. You know, I'm miserable. Deep down, I'm dying, you know, but I'm, but I'm skinny. So this is good. I'm, I'm controlling shit, you know. And so that when it came, I remember when I worked with Emma and Emma's probably more like you, like she doesn't do heaps of tracking, but we started to like use chronometer and I was like, oh, like it really showed me, okay, you can eat this food, kitty, and you're not going to gain 500 kilos. When you eat this and balance your blood sugar, you sleep. You don't binge eat anymore. You start to get better in the gym. And it really, and I, and I started to look at it going, okay, I'm going to use this to optimize, not restrict. And it really empowered me, you know, and I was like, wow, I finally have food's no longer controlling me. I'm using this as a tool to help me feel better, you know? And I think, again, like I say, there's my, everyone's journey is different and some people might not be able to get to that space, but I think if you, you know, um, and also, again, I was never like, if I eat off the plan, the world is ending, you know, like I would always just accept it and go like, okay, cool. Like that's just what it is. And, you know, I'm just gonna do the best I can and keep going. And yeah, I just, I think you really have to ask yourself if you can't track, you know, cause I feel like a lot of women just don't want to track because it, they have to be consistent. You know, it forces them to go, why can't I do this? Like what habits and behaviours and stories am I telling myself? Um, you know, and I often hear Craig on calls with clients and they have these deep conversations about it. And at the end, they're like, fuck, you're right. You know, this is not about this. This is about some other issue and why I can't actually show up every day and do, do this. So I think, I don't know, like, you, like again, like you said, everyone's different. And there are going to be women out there from really disordered eating backgrounds that the tracking is, they actually need to go, I'm just going to practice eating <laughs> without tracking every single thing that, again, it's, it's, it's individual for everyone, right? Like, yeah, for yeah. sure. Look, I would always make the joke when I was working as a dietitian uh, in the eating disorder space that you know, most of my patients would know the calories better than I do. They probably, you know, most people probably still know calories better than I do. Um, and I'm very open saying that, you know, I don't really, I don't track. Yeah, I've, but I agree with you that I work with a lot of women that actually, you know, again, because I, I've done two degrees. Yeah, I, I did a master's in dietetics. So I have to be really clear and open about that, that I have that knowledge. Yeah. So I know, you know, I, I roughly know what 2000 calories looks like. I know how to balance a meal. So I have that there. Now for women who come from disordered eating, and to be honest, Kitty, it's probably 80% of the female population that has some kind of disordered eating. So great. Um, you know, in my undergrad degree, I did a research paper on the eating disorder continuum. And so we're all on a continuum and down one end, you have like healthy relationship with food and body, you know, quite intuitive, uh, just really, you know, really positive, uh, confident eater. And then down the other end, you have that clinically diagnosed eating disorder. So anorexia nervosa, bulimia, you know, eating disorder, otherwise not specified. And then in the middle, that's the disordered eating space. And most of us actually fall in that space. Now, depending on multiple variables, you know, we can move up and down that continuum. Uh, maybe we spend a lot of time in one space and, yeah, and I think it can be hard for those that are really trapped in disordered eating for a long time, but they probably know the data. And this is, you know, this can be the funny thing is that they've done it for so long that it's really hard, like you said, to reframe it and mm -hmm. to not come from this scarcity place of taking away, but mm -hmm. more of this place of like adding in, you know, adding in energy. This is energy I'm inputting into this app or into my log. It's not taking away. And I think that's really important. Um, and what I found helpful in my work is if they can understand the science of the metabolism, mm. if you can actually break it down and, and talk about, okay, this is how the metabolism works. This is your resting metabolic rate. This is your body composition. This is your muscle 
mass. This is what the body burns. This is your energy expenditure. You know, I believe that we need to understand that because that really helps us understand why we actually need to be eating at least around 2000 calories a day. It gives it context. Um, So I'm a big fan and I educate all my women on the metabolism, you know, on the resting metabolic rate, on the body composition, on their total energy expenditure and eating enough calories. Now, depending on their background, we may not start by tracking the actual calories and like macronutrients. We just start by focusing on those other principles, like eating every three or four hours, making sure we balance our meals because that's also a way to track. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then we track things, you know, like sleep and energy. And, and I think those are the basics, you know, we can get caught up in the sciencey stuff, but really be looking at, well, am I sleeping seven to eight hours? How is my energy? Uh, how do I have a healthy regular cycle that arrives on time? Am I eating every three or four hours? Do I have a carbohydrate, a protein and a fat on my plate? Uh, and that's where I would start. And then can you do that consistently? <laughs> hundred percent. Yeah, it is. I mean, we talk about it all the time, don't we? It's, you're not going to get the result if you can't. And of course, not perfectly, but you know, (laughs) imperfect, consistent action, but you have to be consistent most of the time. You can't, you know, like I get a lot of women, oh, they're great during the weekend on the weekend, they skip meals and they drink alcohol and they'll eat shit food. And then they'll be like, why aren't I getting a result? You know, um, you know, I also, I just, and this is just, I like to talk about examples, but, you know, a client, obviously I won't say her name, but she was um, <clears throat> emailing Cray saying, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm heavier than I've been in a long time. You know, she had all these menstrual cycles. She's come from severe restrictive dieting background. So a lot of work to do to heal her body, really, you know, typical under eater restrictor, you know, I'm the heaviest of it. Cause the thing I find is that what triggers women is some, someone will say something to them or their husband or their partner about their weight or their body. All of a sudden they're like, I'm not making any progress. This is really shit. I've got to lose as much weight as possible. And, you know, she's like, I'm not where I want to be and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, Craig's obviously goes in and looks at the data, hasn't tracked consistently, hasn't trained consistently. He's like, well, how much weight have you added to your squat bench and deadlift? Let's look at your lifts. If body composition is your goal change and we need to track it because it's like, if you still, you started deadlifting 50 kilos deadlifting and you're still only deadlifting 50, you're not going to build any muscle, you know? And, I think then the tracking can really, it just shines the light on. And again, I'm not saying that everyone's like this, but sometimes you can just be in denial. <laughs> like some women, and I've been in denial about shit. And then when you actually sit down and you take the emotion away and you look at the data and the facts, you're like, I just need to get my shit together. You know, like I've got to, it's, it's true. And then you're like, okay, crap. But then you feel really empowered because like, okay, I can totally do this. These are the small things I need to do daily. I'm going to log my food. I'm going to go to training. She wasn't logging her training, you know. Um, and when then when you start to do it, you start to see progress and you feel more empowered and it just is this great snowball effect. So I think you've got to really be honest with yourself. And, you know, are you just burying your head in the sand maybe? I don't know. Some, But some women are. Again, that's not everyone. But, you know, there's I've seen, and so, so would have you, I've seen some incredible transformations in our program. Like women that have lost 30 kilos that have drinking, taking antidepressants for 20 years, come, like just these incredible transformations, single mom, four kids. So I, I know what's possible if you can actually take that ownership and do the work. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. You know, sometimes I think we have to just take action to find the motivation and consistency, Mm. you know, and if someone really like is helping lead us in that is great. You know, I'm a big believer in working with a teacher or a coach. Uh, You know, we need to be led sometimes. uh, And then sometimes we just have to take that action. You know, we, Mm. we just have to make the changes with our nutrition or just start showing up and doing the training consistently to find the motivation to keep going. Um, It's hard sometimes to find the motivation first and then Mm. take the action because it it often just doesn't work like that. You know, we're doing something new. It's scary. Mm. We're afraid we're going to fail. It's going to be hard. You know, that internal narrative is going to pop up. So it's really hard to find that motivation first. Um, I think, you know, if we can take action uh, mm. and then, 
you know, where we can find the motivation and we can learn along the way. Uh, but we have to just be brave to step into that action, whether that's showing up three times a week for our training or making those changes with our nutrition. Uh, but also I think a lot of women, they actually just don't know. Like so mm. many women I talk to actually don't know what 2000 calories looks like mm. as well. Um, you know, what does that actually look like? What does a balanced meal look like? Uh, so I think we can kind of have both, you know, maybe we have the denial piece or the, maybe it's around shame or feeling like they're not, they're failing. Uh, so they don't track. Uh, but I've also seen, you know, it's actually, I just don't know. Um, or they think they're eating enough. And then when they track it, they're like, wow, yeah, I'm actually, and that happens actually quite a lot. I find with women too, that when they actually put it in, they're like, wow, you're right. I'm really overeating. And then I go and eat, you know, 5,000 calories in the weekend because I'm starving and I binge. Yeah. The mm. body loves consistency. The body loves it. You know, it loves consistency within the day. It loves consistency within the week. You know, it loves consistency in a macro setting. Yeah. I can't just eat, you know, a thousand calories one day and then 25 or 3000 the next day. Like that's stressful on the body because mm. the it's too big of a change. It's too inconsistent. It's the same with my training. I can't just go tomorrow and lift, you know, smash myself. And then of course I'm going to be so sore that I might not be able to move for four days. And then I really haven't done anything. And then, you know, I don't maybe want to do that because I felt that way. And then there's this inconsistency with the training. And so it's all about consistency. The body loves consistency. Uh, and how, what does that look like for you? I think that's really important. Um, and where do you start? Uh, how do you even start to be consistent? Is it really just, I was having a conversation the other day and, you know, maybe it's just starting with yes foods and no foods, like the foods that give me energy and maybe we're not eating the foods that don't give us energy. So we're just starting by eating the metabolic foods. Maybe that's level one for you. And mm -hmm. then you're just noticing how you feel. Then maybe level two is really focusing on eating every three or four hours. And maybe you're on level two for, I don't know, it depends how long it's going to take for you. Maybe it's four weeks. And then maybe you go to level three, which is, you know, really focusing on balancing your macronutrients and maybe you have to really pay attention to how much protein you're eating and then mm. maybe you do that for four weeks uh, and layer it on. Uh, but then there's some women that can just go for it. They can <sighs> say, yep, I'm going to eat 2,000 calories. I'm going to track that and, you know, I'm going to track my macros and um, they can consistently do that. So I guess, you know, what's consistency look like for you and how could you achieve it? I think too, and I'm sure you'll agree with this is, and we were talking about this on one of our roundtables last night, is simplicity is, you know, like I find that women just sort of fuck themselves a little bit because they try and make it too complex. And I'm like, oh, just keep it simple. Like, you know, just eat similar stuff for the mornings and your snacks and your lunches. And then maybe you might want to change your dinners because you're going to be busy, you know, when you're trying to muck around with kids and work, you know, I don't have kids, you don't have kids, but I find that, you know, if I, I still always plan ahead prep some food and like, you know, easy snacks like cheese and a glass of juice, cheese and a piece of fruit, glass of milk and some dates, you know, like you can keep things, eggs and fruit for breakfast and maybe a slice of sourdough. And it's okay to eat that same food every day for days and days if you love it, you know, you're getting the nutrients that you need. And I think that, yeah, just maybe like strip it back and keep it simple to start with because that will make it easier to be consistent because when I mean, you think about successful people like they're not well they are successful because they've got obviously drive and commitment but they set themselves up for success like they make it simple and easy to succeed and you know change their environment so that it makes it easy you know like if you're an alcoholic you're not going to go out clubbing every night to <laughs> You know, because that's just really testing your willpower. So if you spend some time at the on Sunday just going, okay, cool, just going to plan out my breakfast. I might have one breakfast. I'm going to make sure it's in the fridge. I'm going to slow cook a meal for lunch. You know, we eat pretty similar. I see you, you know, you eat beef cheeks and ribs and, you know, like we seem to both cook a meal. Like I always cook something. I'll have it with potatoes or rice and some fruit, you know, snacks of yogurt, honey. I've been trying the bee pollen lately, which is nice. You know, but it's easy. 
So it just makes it, I don't have to go and think, go downstairs, grab my snack. It's easy for me to be successful. So I think don't make it hard for yourself. Yeah, I, I eat very similar all of the time. Pretty much the same thing for breakfast every day. Uh, during the week, I'll eat the same thing for lunch. Very similar things for dinner. Uh, and I, but I'll go through phases or seasons. You know, I'll mm. like something for a long time. <laughs> and it's so funny. Carson brought something home the other day, and he's like, "I said, oh, I don't really want that. I don't feel like." It. He's like, "Oh, so you're not into that anymore?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you reckon you'll eat it for months, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you go, "Oh fuck, I can't eat that anymore." I'm yeah, like, nah. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> And he gets the shit. Like he gets so angry because I just go through like these seasonal things where I like love something and I'll just eat it and eat it and eat it. And then I don't want it anymore. Um, And it doesn't have to be complicated. And I believe, you know, when I was at university, I used to pack all my lunches when I was PTing and working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. I packed all my own food because I didn't have a choice. Like Mm. I had to eat, you know, and I had to fuel my body. And so, Mm. yes, there were nights where I got home and it was 9 p.m. and I was chopping, you know, vegetables to put in the oven to roast them or preparing my food almost in tears because sometimes I was so (laughs) tired. But I didn't have a choice, you know. If we want to create consistency with our food, we want to eat good food that gives us energy, we have to prep. There's no other way around it. I'm so sorry, but you have to put in the effort. You have to go and buy the slow cooked meat. Get a slow cooker. It's the best yeah. thing. You 20 can bucks. Ever. Yeah, or yeah. a pressure cooker, you know, and just whack it in there with a bunch of veggies, just buy a shitload of fruit, you know, yogurt, mm. cheese, cheese. And that's what my fridge is full of. Uh, and you could do a, a segment, I reckon. We should just do one dedicated to like food prep, eating out, you know, like carrying snacks around that you don't have to refrigerate. We should do one because it once you sort of get your head around it and you do, you're like, oh, this is so easy. Like it's actually like I don't spend a lot of time like you. Like I'll just, my go-to at the moment is I just put beef cheeks in the slow cooker with like four spices, salt, I think salt, cumin, I know, oregano and something else. So it's like takes two minutes, literally. And I put the lid on and I leave it overnight and then I portion it up. I make my ice cream, which takes two minutes, and I put in the ice cream maker. And that's actually all I cook at the moment. And then everything else like eggs for breakfast with fruit, milky coffee, my snacks is cheese and juice, yogurt and the, and the honey, and then fish, like some sort of protein sauce, potatoes, juice, and then ice cream. And I'm like literally spending... I don't know, what would you say, like 15 minutes prepping maybe? Because you can really, and not to say, I don't want people to think, oh, you can't make beautiful meals and fancy, because you can. And, you know, sometimes I'll like, we made this awesome Mexican bowl the other night, which really wasn't that fancy, but, you know, obviously it was a little bit more involved. Um, but, you know, like we'll, sometimes I'll, I'll feel like cooking and I'll make something more complex. But day to day, you know, and the thing about the food is it's so tasty. Like this had a bit of garlic and butter and salt you know, like juices, delicious potatoes. It's really delicious and satisfying. So, you know, you really, you, it doesn't have to be hard. Yeah, it is simple, not always easy. And I think mm. the question we need to ask ourselves is what's the real challenge? You know, mm. what is my real challenge with this? If it is around the food, you know, you need to really dig deep and find what is the real challenge for me because it's Mm. not time yeah we all have the same amount of time Mm. yeah we want we want more time time flies time 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 but really you know we have the same amount it's just how are we using that time Mm. Uh, what do we value what what do we need to prioritize how necessary is it for us to do this Uh, my coach often says to me you know if it's not a nine or a 10 out of 10 for a necessity we're not going to do it you know Mm. it needs to be so necessary for us to do it so if you don't have food prepared like what what happens yeah Mm. and I think we need to think about that and it needs to be necessary so for me with my nutrition and it's always been this way it's so necessary for me to be fueled that I prioritize it no matter what even if I don't want to do it and it's boring it gets done because that is a value to me and it's so necessary that I have stable blood sugar I have the food that I really enjoy that nourishes my body in me every day and Mm. I have to make the time for that. Totally, totally. And I'm just conscious of the time because I know that you have to go soon, but I, I didn't want to run out of time to talk about this. So we've talked about 
let's just do a bit of a quickly recap. So um, listening to your body. So like, am I sleeping? You know, is my menstrual cycle regular and relatively pain symptomatic, asymptomatic? Um, you know, I guess digestive digestion, you know, can I poo every day? Um, am I relatively free from bloating? Have I got a sex drive? Um, energy, how's my mood and energy? And that's something that you'll really notice. I see it with clients all the time, you know, they'll track their food, but they'll skip a meal and they're like, oh my God, I felt so tired and I could feel my blood should be dropping, you know, starting to just track your food somehow. And so if you really, you know, like I can't use my fitness power or chronometer, just start a food log write it down every day, start to write down how you feel and start to become aware. So they're the first things. Now let's talk about training and listening to your body and training because there's obviously, and we really use these tools in our program because, again, I think it comes back to the fact that women are scared to trust their bodies and they also, because I know how I was, I was like, I need to train every day. If I don't train every day, I'm going to get fat. That's just basically what I thought. And it was addiction. It was addiction to training every day, whereas now I've realised that, you know, I'm, I always think about, again, this is not right or wrong, but it's performance. I'm really like performance. Can I perform today? You know, if I'm tired, I can't perform and it's not going to be good for my body. So I'm really okay with taking extra rest days. Cause I'm like, well, I want to hit these numbers in the gym. I want to have, or just dialing it back, working on technique. You know, we've been doing mobility, which is actually really ref- like um, restorative and feels good. Um, but I think, you know, like some things that we track in our program is we'll get women to look at their temps and pulses after their training, specifically temps. I find there seem to drop down, you know, a lot if their body is not responding well to training and they might have to take a few extra days, but it's really interesting. Like, and you'd probably say the same thing is that when I started, like I got into the temps and pulses, but then, you know, I got into powerlifting and, I just was really intuitive and and was able to self-regulate. Craig always said to me, he's like, that's why you've really made a lot of progress because you go into the gym and he's like, if you feel good, you push hard and you give it your all. And he said, if you don't feel good, so many days I'd be like, I'm not, I'm tired today. Or I knew when I was getting to the point where I needed to deload because I was sore, I was started not to sleep. I felt fatigued. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take a whole week off training and I'll just walk and do whatever. Um, but, you know, let's talk about, you know, training and just being okay to listen to your body. So and I feel like it really is simple. And I don't know, like you can talk maybe more about the science, but I just think, do I feel good today? Like, do, do I feel good? Like, do I really feel like going into the gym and lifting? Because I love my training like you. So I think if you love it, you know, it's not, there's a difference between, you know, being lazy and just not being in good habits and but actually and then actually listening to your body and going, my body's telling me today it's not good to train. Go for a walk, <laughs> do some stretching, do some technique work, you know. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's very similar to the food, you know. If you think about the fitness industry, it's bred that distrust uh, mm. again with our body uh, around, you know, what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing and how much we should be doing. Uh, and yeah, you can get really sciencey. I'm probably not the person to speak to about like heart rate variability and, you know, measuring recovery. We'll get, Libby on, to t- we'll get Libby on to talk about that. That's her. She loves <laughs> heart rate variability. She's got lots of knowledge around that. Yeah. Libby's super sciencey. Um, but, and again, not just, we're not saying that that's wrong at no, all. No, like, no, and no, I really, no. and it's funny, Libby and, and myself and Leela have this little group conversation going and Craig, we were just talking about like, cause Craig heads up the coaching in ours and he's really into the data as well. Um, and so, so am I. And I think that stuff really helps show women at the start because they just don't listen and they can go, Oh, okay, cool. I've trained. This is dropped or my temps really come down massively maybe I need to do less, maybe I need to take an extra rest day. And it really starts to teach them to get in tune with their bodies so that they can auto-regulate. So I do believe that that stuff is really critical at the start, especially for women who are like doing way too much and wanting to train every day. Yeah, for sure. But if we really looked at it, you know, their sleep's probably shit. Their energy's probably shit. (laughs) So, you know, you probably don't need a temp and pulse to tell you that you're overtrained and you're underpushed. Like, really? (laughs) No, I know. And I agree. And that's how I always was. I I always knew, like, I was like, you know, I'd do a heavy, and I know you're probably thinking, no shit, Sherlock, but like, I'd do a heavy leg session. And that night I'd be like, oh, fuck, I'm so hungry. And then I'd just eat more. And then I'd have a good sleep. And I might, have a few extra days training off training 
And then I'd be like, okay, cool. I feel like I can give it a good nudge again. I'm going to go back to the gym. You know, like, and just, and it works. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it works. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think it comes back to the tracking. Yes, you can. You can track temp and pulses. You can track heart rate variability. Like you can go, you know, into the data for sure. But I think if you step back to make it simple is, uh, let's have a look at a few things. So when you wake up, how did you sleep the night before? Yeah, if you plan to do a training session, let's have a look. Did you sleep well the night before? Then check in with your body. How do you actually feel? For me, I always start moving. I start warming up. And I get most of the women that I work with just to start warming up to see what they find. Uh, If they didn't sleep well the night before, okay, well, maybe we modify our training time. Maybe we push it back to later in the day when we've had breakfast, we've had a snack, maybe we've had a walk, maybe we have more energy and we feel better. And so then we could do our training. Uh, Maybe we modify that training or adjust it. Do we need to do maybe less volume, less sets, less reps? Do we need to rest longer in between sets? So those are a couple of things that you could do if you didn't sleep well the night before. For me, you know, it's, I don't believe in not training. I believe in moving in some way, whether that's a walking practice, a mobility practice, you know, something that moves the body. Uh, It might not be what you planned, though. It may Mm. not be a heavy session. Now, say you slept well that night, you know, you start warming up and uh, you feel good. Great. Do your session as planned. Uh, now, do you need to track temp and pulse after? For sure, if you want to. But I would more look at what's the energy doing the mm. afternoon? Yeah. How's my sleep that night? Uh, mm-hmm. And those are the two big things that I would look at. Yeah, and I agree. Because then- they really seem, especially for me too, like I always would know, okay, I've got to the time where I need to do a deload because my sleep would start to be shit. And I'd start to feel a bit, I'd, this sounds so weird, but teary. I can tell yeah. that actual, you know, the, the, the fatigue um, and you just, you go, okay, cool. So, and then you have a rest, walk, do the mobility stuff for five days. And then you come back, you're like, oh, I feel good. You know, I'm ready. I feel I'm hungry to get back into my training and I want to train versus I'm just dragging myself through. And I think that's what a lot of women do. And they think that more is better. No, better is better. <laughs> Yeah, structured, have plan, a specific plan. Because, you know, like Craig and I did a podcast talking about, well, how many days a week can I train? And Craig's like, well, you can train two, three, four, five, six days a week. It's the program that matters, the structure of the program. You know, he has a six-day week program. I don't want to do that because I just like to be working on the business, you know. Not that he doesn't work, but he does. But, you know, like I don't want to train six days. I like three to four. So it's about what works for you and then, you know, you obviously can't be heavy deadlifting and squatting every single day. If you're training six days a week, your program's going to look a lot. And what can you commit to, right? Like a lot of women in our program, busy mums with kids, so they love three to four days. It really works for them because they're like, you know, I don't feel, because I think a lot of women go, oh, and this is what I used to do, I'm going to do everything and then I'm going to fail and feel shit about it that I can't do it. Whereas committing to something that's more realistic and actually achieving it. Yeah. Well, what's your goal? Like real, you know, what, what is the goal? Is it to feel stronger? Is it to have more energy? Is it to be able to keep up with your kids? Is it your body composition? I think, you know, you need to pick our goal and then we need to create some consistency around supporting that goal. Uh, We can have many goals. That's okay. But, you know, when we first start out, I think, well, what is the goal? Like, how do you want to feel? Because Mm -hmm. that's important. You know, it's important for structuring your food, structuring your training. Uh, But I'll also agree, you know, I believe that we can train hard and I believe Mm -hmm. that we can train a lot, but we need to be looking at how are we fueling our body and are we recovering well? Mm. And those are the two things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've trained three or four hours a day, six days a week when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting mm. and I recovered well and mm. I was progressing, but it took a lot of work and a lot of effort. It was basically my full-time job. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to no train kids. that much, no kids, yeah. um, you know, and I, yeah. And I think that's really key is I believe that we can 
train hard we can chase goals we can mm. perform you know we can change our body composition we can do anything that we want to do but do we really want that and is our reality supporting that uh and you know are we actually fueling and recovering well because a lot of the women that i work with the same are moms and they have space for three or four days a week and that's enough for them and it's enough for them to gain energy build strength and feel better in their body and get results mm. i think you really nailed that because i you know it's it's you also have to ask yourself how much stress have i got in my life you know like craig will do different phases with people and they're okay it's time to do a fat loss phase and he's like all right one are you sleeping where's your temps and pulses at do you have pretty low stress right now can you commit to this you need to have built that base and then also have the right environment to support that. Um, you know, I think about when I competed in powerlifting, like out, back when we had the gym, Craig and always talk about this. It was just, this, it felt back then it didn't feel simple, but it was much more simpler. You know, we've got multiple businesses now. It's more complex, more employees, you know, different challenges. It's more stressful. Whereas back then it was just, we ran the gym. It was exciting. I mean, it's still exciting, but you know, I could really commit like, you know, I would train usually four days, but they'd be longer sessions. I'd have to do more mobility work. I was really committed though too because I wanted to I wanted to do well. But my life was also more set up. You know, I think about doing that now and I'm like, mm, would I have, I probably would, I guess, have the discipline to and the commitment to go to really do what I needed to do to get to where I wanted to be. So I think, again, you're right. Like you got to look at your life. And don't put these unrealistic expectations on yourself because then you just get angry and you fail and then you punish yourself and the negative self-talk. And it's like, you know, what's like a good example is a lady running around table last night and some of the women in our program really feel for them. Like they've got a lot of shit, like kids with ADHD, single parents. She works shift work. She's like, I'm really struggling to like do my check-in and really, you know, track 100%. And I said, why don't you just take the pressure off yourself? why don't you just go, I'm going to check in, but it's not going to be around like everything tracked and 100% compliance. Just go, I'm going to aim to do my food prep every week and consistently fuel my body and train maybe twice and just make that your standard of success for now because that's going to feel good and that's all you can do right now. That's all you can do. Yeah, it's small promises. You know, if we're on this journey to like listen to our body and rebuild trust with it, but we keep trying to go from A to Z and we keep failing and not keeping, you know, that promise or the consistency, it's it's going to feel really hard. But if we go from A to B, yes, it's going to take a long time to get to Z, but A to B, what's that small promise that you can keep to yourself every day? Is it mm. going for that 15-minute walk? Yes, mm. 15 minutes doesn't sound like a lot, but if you can't keep that small promise to yourself about that 15 minute walk or writing in your food diary, it's going to be really hard to get to Z. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you've got to and start, right? Small. Cause like, yeah, women go, I'm going to do 15,000 steps every day. And that's like, they'd probably have to walk an hour and a half and then they don't, they miss a day. And then all of a sudden they miss two days or they only, and then they're like, Oh no, I'm not going to do it. Whereas 15 minutes do that nail it for a few weeks and go okay and then you feel good you're like oh I can do this okay great I'll create a habit I'm going to increase it to 20 minutes and then you might go I'm going to do 25 and then eventually you're doing 10,000 steps every day and you feel happy (laughs) but you've kept the promise you know it's not really even about the walking I don't really give a shit about I do give a shit about the walking (laughs) but I give a shit about you keeping that small promise to yourself because that builds confidence that builds Mm -hmm. trust and if you can do that, and we're talking like I'm talking long time frame, yeah. Like, mm. can you do that for four weeks? Mm. Can you keep that? And that might sound like a long time, but really, you know, if we're looking at the journey from A to Z, it's probably going to be years, yeah. To and so. Yeah. Four weeks is nothing, but can you actually do that? The same thing is maybe it's the food that's a real challenge for you. So can you actually just write down what you eat every day for four weeks? Like no changing, no judgment, just awareness. And can you keep that small promise to yourself that you do that every day? Mm-hmm. And trust me, by the end of the four weeks, you'll be like, yeah, yeah. Like, I did it. like I did that. You know, I kept that small promise. Like I'm really proud of myself and that builds confidence. And you've also got data because you can probably see that maybe you ate really inconsistently or maybe you didn't eat foods that really gave you energy. Uh, and so, you know, you're getting more out of it than just maybe that small promise. But, you know, if we bring it back around and we're really talking about building trust with ourselves and listening to our body, it's like 
just pick one small promise, you know, mm. just one. And maybe you do it for a week. Maybe it takes you four weeks. Like we, I don't have an answer around how long it's going to take for you to create consistency. Uh, mm. But, you know, when you've got consistent with that, pick another one. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then just keep that small promise to yourself and slowly, you know, I just believe small equals big. And I've just been doing small for a really long time and it's big. And that's what you see. You're just seeing the big, but you don't see that, you know, I've been doing small for 34 years. So, (laughs) And it really, it's not like, it's not sexy or quick. Like people, or like I think a lot of women are still looking for that magic pill, magic supplement. But if you look at the people that we know that have got good physiques, and look, I'm, I'm, I think it's fine to want to look better. Like I, I don't have any problem with women wanting because, if they actually do the work, like the consistent basic feel their body, sleep, train, they're going to look better anyway and they're going to feel better, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, I don't think. There's obviously the extremes, of course, and we don't want to go. It can be a balance. It can be a balance. Um, but, yeah, it really is like you think we will eat consistently, we've all put the work in to become really good at our craft, whatever that is, Olympic lifting, gymnastics, strength training, you know, you've got to be be good. You've got to be excellent if you really want to get excellent results, you know. Um, and it's just, it, it's like you say, you just show up every session, you just got to be a little bit better. And all of a sudden you just notice like, oh, wow, I'm actually good at this. It's all coming together, but it's just those every 10,000 hours, right? 10,000 hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you no, think, I, yeah, yeah, I honestly believe that it's, yeah. you know, it takes about 10,000 hours. It took me about 10 years of being a coach <laughs> to be a really, really good coach, you know, and that's, it's a long time. Same as with training. Mm-hmm. It takes you a really long time. I was having this conversation this morning, just getting really clear on how long it actually takes that mm-hmm. it actually takes a really long time to get strong. It does. It does. <laughs> But, yeah, I think you've got to take, like you say, take your thing off the end goal and you've got to love the process like we've talked about. You've got to love, I've got to love lifting or gymnastics or whatever it is, Olympic lifting that you're doing to because then you, you're not so much, yes, you want to achieve the numbers, but you love the process and the journey to get to those numbers. That excites you, you know. Um, but, yeah, so just can you just really quickly recap so if someone wasn't looking at HRV or like temps or pulses, what would they be looking for? you know, in terms of training recovery, if they're just listening to their body? Yeah. So if you wake up, just note how you slept. If you have a little small human that didn't sleep or you were awake and you didn't sleep well, well, already we know that the body's a little stressed. Yeah. And our most unstable time is from waking until about mid-morning, about noon. And we also have to be mindful of that. So if we didn't sleep, and we're in our most unstable time and we want to go for an early morning session, that can be really stressful on our body. So if we can, what does it look like to modify our training time, to push it back a little bit mm. or and adjust our training? Like, yes, we had this session plan, but could you adjust it? Whether that's like the volume of it, the weights, the sets, the reps, you know, maybe even changing what you were doing. Maybe it's just a walk. Uh Now, if you did sleep well, you wake up, you feel pretty good. Uh, Remember, we always want to stabilize the system before we actually go and train. So if you're training super early, you need to have something to eat beforehand. You need to stabilize the system. Mm. Uh, Then you train. Now, what I would look for is what's the energy do for the rest of the day, especially if you're an early morning trainer. Uh, What do you, how's the energy around lunchtime and early afternoon? Then how do you sleep that night? Those are the two key things that I would watch uh, for if you're not measuring temp and pulse and like heart rate variability. Also, you know, how do you feel the next day? Are you really, really sore? Um, Is your energy really low? Yeah, was your sleep broken? Just think of like those macro things. Instead of coming in maybe to the numbers, if that's not where you're at right now, just think Mm -hmm. of the big things that you don't, we might not think all the time that are important, but your energy and your sleep are going to tell you, yeah, if you tolerated it. And over time, maybe not a day, but maybe you get the data over a week or a couple of weeks and the body will tell you if you're tolerating it okay or not. Mm. And, you know, like, if you're tired, you're really tired, just have a rest. It's okay. Like have yeah. a day off if you want. Go Like it's what I'll just go for a walk in the sun, do something nice, do some mobility. It's okay. It's okay. 
like I'm giving you permission. <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah, it's really important. Like it's so walking or just even being in the sun is just so underrated by us. We just don't think it's good enough or it's going to get us where we want to go. But actually it's those, you know, it's really the rest and the recovery that gets us where we want to go. So if you are so tired and exhausted, I always tell my women, okay, focus on your food, make sure that you're really getting enough energy and maybe even a little bit more just because you are exhausted and you, you haven't slept well at all. Get out in the sunshine and go for a walk. That's yeah, good. <laughs> and you'll feel you'll have a better sleep and then you'll get up and you'll be like, oh, I can actually train and hit my numbers and, you know, have a good session. Your body, it doesn't lie to you. As Leela says, the body never as, lies. Yes, <laughs> as Leela says, the body so never true. lies. We've just got to listen to it. It doesn't, yeah, but yeah. we are just very bad at listening to it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, if you listen to it and you build trust with it, it is one of, I think, the most powerful things that you can do. It's mm. so cool when you have so much trust in your body that no matter what you hear, no matter what a girlfriend tells you, <laughs> what the media tells you, you know, you can just, you can squash the bullshit because you're like, well, no, actually, like I know my body. Yeah, I know what makes it feel good. I know how to be strong, you know, and you can just block out all that noise. And I think that's that stops so much energy leakage. We don't have to listen to all the bullshit out there. Totally. Couldn't agree with you more. Well, that was awesome. I know you got to go, Amy. Um, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. We'll do another one about, uh, we'll have to do a, um, a food prep one. It seems basic, but like, I really feel like a lot of women could benefit from some good basic food prep advice. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. It would yeah. be fun to like do a live one or a video yeah, one. Idea. Where well, we're both on a video and maybe we do in the some kitchen prep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll be like, this is what we do every week. Here's our slow cooker. Yeah. Here's the utensils that we use, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let Kitty know if you'd like to see that. We can um, jump in the kitchen or do a live yeah. for that prep. Yeah, totally. That's such a good idea. Good one. I like it. Uh, I've got a, actually a post coming out this week, but it all already out by the time people listen to this about food, a food prep reel, back to food prep 101. But yeah, get on the food prep, ladies. Get on the food prep. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks. thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much, Amy. And we'll um, speak to you again soon. Mm-hmm.